Hey, Paul. Hey, Fab. How are you? Good yourself? Good. I'm doing well. Nice. Uh, so today you want to talk about salespeople and more specifically why they fail. <laughs> are the top reasons why they fail? Yeah, it sounds, uh, it sounds, sounds a little bit cheesy, but it's, it's actually, it's a spin on something that I think could be very, uh, very, uh, very positive. Yeah. And obviously the goal here is always to help, you know, their, their bosses. So sales leaders, um, help navigate you see, because ultimately when, when one person, you know, whatever that expression is, you're only as strong as your weakest link. Right. So as if you have one or more salespeople that are failing, like the whole, the whole team ultimately doesn't do well. Right. And a lot, I don't know, it's the last thing, but definitely the one things you want to avoid, one of the things you want to avoid is when you're very dependent on one or two salespeople to make your numbers. Right. Cause yeah. Um, Cause then there's a, a balance of power that happens uh, balance of power shift that happens and uh, you're not scalable, right? Because the more power one salesperson has, the less they're willing to share and to update information and to train others because they like kind of being at the top, uh, which is part of the sales mentality. Uh, and so, um, yeah, so the goal here is to take these five reasons that you've identified uh, and we'll kind of help you navigate it. Uh, I have notes on, on what you can do in, in HubSpot to, to help you that, to help you do with that on most of them. Uh, so let's get started. For number sure. One reason. Right. So number one reason I would say is probably lack of prospecting, particularly with business development reps and any rep that's got to do any kind of development. And when I say lack of prospecting, I should say prospecting in general, they have the wrong approach. You know, we spoke about this last week in our, in our podcast yeah. And that's one of the reasons if you don't, if you're not properly uh, ready to do your prospecting, you don't have the right attitude, it can really, uh, it, it has a huge effect. The, the interesting thing about this one is I think people know, um, yeah. this won't be a surprise to anyone, even to the sales reps who are having a hard time say, yeah, you're right. I didn't prospect enough, particularly people who have a long sales cycle, uh, they leave it last minute and then they get a lull and then, and then the whole thing happens and, so this is not a surprising one. So, you know, we talked about this in our podcast last week. So it's being prepared, it's being organized, it's knowing what you're going to say, and then just getting into the execution mode. You know, we talked about, you know, it's like going to the gym. Just once once you're ready and you know you're going to the gym, just go to the gym. So just go prospecting, just make sure it happens. So that to me is the most important thing, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree. Because I mean, at, at the end of the day, everything else stems from that, right? If you have an empty pipeline then, you know, it's hard to, to perfect, master, uh, tweak, everything else, identify that you have issues elsewhere. You know, that's, that's the number one thing. And at the end of the day, you know, full pipeline solves a lot of problems. Um, some of them we'll talk about later, but, you know, like some of the things like uh, qualifications and all that stuff, like, right, like if it's easier to say no to somebody, if you have a full pipeline and you have tons of opportunities, <laughs> Than saying no to somebody if you if they're the only this is the only deal that'll get you through the to your quota like it's really hard to to disqualify them right so exactly um, it's 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 the start of everything and of course we've talked about this before it's your conversation starter it's just that first step Um, yeah yeah absolutely. Uh, you want yeah, me to jump in with you or you still No, I, I wanted to like, you know, help people out like in how to build it in, in HubSpot. And I think, oh, yeah, to me, like sure. the, the um, I, I think, you know, obviously at the end of the day, it is a mind, 
set, right? Like going to the gym, right? It's not about having your membership. It's about actually going and, you know, hiring a trainer if you need to or whatever. But uh, what I like is, is um, it's, it's still in beta, but it's kind of like the prospecting section and you see all all your tasks that are due, all the tasks that you've done, all the tasks that you're still pending. You see your calendar, you see your sequences, you see all that stuff and all in one place. And because what I found with, with HubSpot, and I found a lot of CRMs have that challenge, is that prospecting is spread out all over, right? You have your tasks here, you have to go find your contacts here, and you have to find the companies there, and, and everything's like left, right, and center. So I would definitely encourage people to like, depending on when you listen to this, either opt into the beta or just start using it. Um, it just gives you a nice dashboard of everything you need to do for your, your prospecting activities. It helps, it removes some of the barriers, right? Like if yeah. you keep with that gym analogy, it's easier to go to a gym that's close to your house than one that's 45 minutes away. Uh, this is kind of the same thing. It just removes a lot of barriers. Yeah. It makes it easy to know what you have to do next. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and it's probably, uh, well, we'll talk about an, another point that's there, but it's the one thing that you need to organize a lot more than you think you do. Yeah. Yeah. It's just very easy to find excuses not to do it. There's a lot of psychological games there, you know, like there's a lot of rejection. There's a lot of being ignored. There's a lot of treading mud, so to speak, or walking through mud, you know, like doing a lot and not moving very fast. There's a lot of, so it's it's very hard to prospect, right? You'll go through periods where it's like working super well and it's a lot easier, but you'll go through periods where like nobody's answering your phone, nobody's answering your emails, nobody's answering your LinkedIn messages, nobody's getting back to you, nobody's booking meetings. Ah, that gets really hard to get motivated to to do, you know? So uh, to me, it's about removing as many barriers, at least on the operational side of things as well. Oh, absolutely. I mean, if you're if you're a CRM, if HubSpot, if you're using HubSpot and it's helping you as a sales assistant to do the right things at that stage, for sure, it moves forward. But that will be at any stage. So if you're uh, not using HubSpot, for sure, you're also having a hard time prospecting. <laughs> you, you can say that, Fab. You can. We know where your allegiance lie. Um, <laughs> um, All right. Next number- one. Number two, fear of rejection, and this is um, this is a state of mind. You know, it's um, it's interesting because when reps start, or it's, it's a state of being. And if you're someone who has a large fear of rejection, and sometimes it it comes out in different ways. And what do I mean by that? Is that your fear of rejection will come out like, oh, I'm just not gonna, I don't need to prospect because this person and that person are gonna put me in touch with these people and. And if you don't, if you don't understand and you don't have the data, and this is where HubSpot comes in, if you don't have your data to know what your success rate is on your calls, on your closing ratio, your closing ratio basically means how often am I going to be rejected? And if you're closing 30% of the time, keep in mind that that means you're being rejected 70% of the time. And maybe in some of those you're self-rejecting but you're, yourself, you know, you're, you're disqualifying. But if you have a fear of rejection and you don't get over that, you'll never be a good salesperson because mm-hmm. rejection is part of sales and you have yeah. to accept it and it's okay. And it, it's, it's more of a maturity to realize it's not necessary for everyone to buy your product or service. It's not necessary for, it's not automatic that everyone will buy your product if you think they need it. Mm. As a salesperson, you have to make sure that you have the conversation so that they understand that they need it. 
And will that always happen? No. But if you have a fear of that, you're never going to move forward. But, you know, fear of rejection holds people back in a lot of things in their lives. You know, they don't go, they don't study the things they want to do. They don't move to the places of the world they want to move to. Um, they, they don't, you know, they don't go on vacations because they're scared. So you, you really have to fear of rejection is someone who can be fearful and you have to, you have to take it uh, and you have to get used to it. And I think the best way to get over your fear of rejection is to put someone in a situation where they do get rejected and you tell them it's normal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's obviously it's, I mean, I would say it's a bit, it could potentially be more complicated than that, but I mean, yeah, at the end of the day, it's, and we just touched on that when we're talking about prospecting like that, you know, it is a factor, right. Especially, uh, in prospecting, I'm sure your, your, your rejection rate or ignoring rate, which is a form of exception, uh, of rejection, sorry, is, is quite high, right? And, and the more unknown your brand is, the more it's going to happen, right? And um, so that's a big one. I mean, it is, it is mainly a state of mind, but what I've, what I've seen in, in HubSpot playing out well is like, I like your idea of the reports kind of showing like where you're situated, like, you know, if you're, conversion rate is 16%, that means you're getting rejected quite a bit, right? And so the knowing that it's maybe normal, but uh, what I found interesting is, it's, again, it's a new functionality, I guess we're diving into a new functionality one, is is their playlists. So what I like is that sales leaders can identify like good calls and, and get salespeople to be able to easily access them and listen to them. And I find like that's a good motivator for salespeople to like, okay, like good calls can happen and you listen to them and you know what yep. to say and you get reminded that, that it can go well as well. Yeah. yeah. And um, what, I also, what I also say to people, sorry, I just want to, yeah. is right. Listening, good calls, seeing how things can go well, see how things, things can go bad and not taking it personally when you do get rejected because they're not rejecting you personally. They're rejecting the offer of what you're trying to help them with. And that's that's okay. And that's what you have to boil down to. Yeah. That's what you have to get used to. Um, you know, but if you're someone who's always used to being told yes on everything, then then it, it stops you. Sorry, a little parenthesis. Come back to what yeah. you're saying. I apologize. No, that's it. So to me, I mean, it is a state of mind. So I think that's a lot more of a managerial thing. Um, but in terms of helping your reps out, I think the reports to identify like that they're within the norm, I think helps. I think playlists of, of great calls help just get that, even though it's short lived, like that boost of energy to like, I can do this type of thing. Um, and uh, and you, you as too, as a sales leader, getting those reports to see which reps maybe are, are struggling compared to the others, you know, it could be an indication that there's something to work on. Um, yeah, those are probably the three things I'd, I'd work on. Yeah. yeah, and I, I love the list of great calls, but I also like the list of great calls where you still get rejected. Yeah. You know, I, I like the fact that, you know, you, you, you're realistic in knowing that rejection is just part of life. And it's not like being rejected by the girl you like, because that's personal, it's, or the guy you like, uh, or, or the person you like. It's, it's not that. It's not about you at that point. So that's something that's, that's a top of mind situation. Um, cool. So... The next one, I would say it's sort of a, it's a blend of two things. It's, it's lack of organization, but also inadequate time management. And this is very, very common in salespeople. Um, they're, they're not organized because it's an interpersonal thing. A lot of people shoot from the hip. A lot of people just 
go with the flow. And if they're, if it's good economic times, this can work. But then the minute things go a little bit hard, if you're not organized and you don't know what it is that you're doing well or what you're not doing well, and you don't understand your, you know, and, and obviously lack of organization can lead to inadequate time management. And then your whole thing falls apart. And then that starts affecting your ego, which starts affecting your, your pitch, the way you talk and the whole thing just falls apart. So I, I would definitely suggest to anybody, even who shoots from the hip, who's really good at what they do, and they say they're not that organized, organize yourself to understand what you're doing well. And of course, you know, this is, to me personally, for someone who is not naturally organized, where the CRM really plays a huge role, I'll make you happy, where HubSpot plays a huge role, if you have your sales process in there, everything's organized, your tasks organized, it's your sales assistant and it's helping you do things. So if you have a good CRM, HubSpot, and, uh, and you're and you're doing it well, it's it's gonna it's gonna help you become better organized. And you know, you can tie in your calendar, you can tie in your calls, everything's shooting from one place. It helps those that are not naturally organized become organized, and also the whole time management thing comes in. So Keep that in mind. And some people are, you know, I've met a lot of salespeople who are free spirited and that's what makes them great and they're fun. You don't have to stop being free spirited in your conversation, but you can still have organization in how you do things. And, and it's like some people used to say to me, well, you know, organization uh, uh, hinders creativity. That's not true. Organization actually helps creativity because it takes away, it, it takes the clutter out of your mind. You don't have to remember all these things you can have it well organized and then you can focus on your creativity. That's, that's my state. I'm sure you like what I said there. So I'll let you add to it. <laughs> no, I mean, you're right. I think, you know, obviously you could dive deep, like this organization could probably be a sign of, of maybe fear of rejection and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, sometimes it plays out in, in different ways. So, so there's, you know, maybe things to look at there if, if you feel your reps are, are disorganized, but um, you're right. To me, the, the CRM is, is the best place to do it, right? Because if you, the more your reps can live in the CRMs or their CRM extensions, the easier it is for them to stay up to date, right? Because it's not like, oh, I have to remember to follow up with, with Sylvie. I need to, you know, I, I do get, I get a task to remind me to follow up. And um, the, the tools that I like the most are, are sequences. So sequences are usually synonymous with prospecting, right? Like you enroll people in a sequence and you get your call task and you get emails being sent out. But I've, I've seen reps use them for various parts of their sales process, right? Like after the first meeting, they'll have like a per post first meeting sequence and then they'll get a prompt to send off a recap email and then they'll get like a, a, call, a task to follow up a week later and, and so on and so forth. And it just removes all need to like organize yourself, right? Because it's already been preset for you. Um, and the other thing that I found really helpful there and this is really a small micro tactic is, you know, within HubSpot, you can, you can create different queues of tasks. And I've, I've helped reps like identify like the really critical tasks, like following up with certain types of prospects and stuff like that. And the, the least critical tasks, maybe just updating, you know, various data points in the CRM that are maybe not as useful and, and things like that, or not as critical. Um, because I've seen a lot of reps, they love the tasks, but then they end up with like 103 pass the task and then they give up, right? It just becomes too overwhelming to tackle. Yeah, yeah. But to have different cues of like these are the, and then you're critical, you realize, okay, you have five to 10, like it's, that's manageable. And yeah. the, 
not so critical. Yeah, even if you're at 23 or whatever, you could just do that on a Friday afternoon. You know, it's not a big deal. And so, um, but I've seen help reps quite a bit. It's just also segmenting their tasks so that they, they're not all as equally important or as critical. Yeah, and, and the great thing about organization is if you have the proper tools, it will definitely help you become more organized. So, and that's what yeah. you're seeing, right? And it'll help you. It'll help you with your time management as well. So, for sure, this can make a huge difference. And this is something you can change, you know. And you're right; it might come from fear of rejection. It might be based in some psychological situation. But if you truly want to succeed, and you're not trying to self sabotage. Uh, you know, creating, uh, having tools that will help you organize will make things a lot better for you. Uh, absolutely. Um, the next one is, this is very much a, a rep thing. And I really want to, to, to talk about this because um, if you are, I say poor qualification of leads, and I'm going to, I'm just going to put it at a poor qualification. Some people tell me, I, you know, I never let go of a lead no matter what. Well, that's, that's kind of a waste of your time and energy too. You need to have established requirements for you to decide what, how you're going to qualify these leads. And if they don't meet those qualification needs, you should be dropping them. And, you know, often people qualify everything is because they don't have enough in their pipeline because they haven't been prospecting enough so they'll have just 10 prospects where they should be you know should be dealing with 50 so right. they'll never get let go of those 10 prospects because they're automatically qualified because it's the only ones i have well <laughs> that's why you need to have a good qualification process and this goes down into your sales process if you have a good sales process if you're always qualifying and you're always figuring out whether this is a good situation it'll help you tremendously in moving forward and a lot of reps don't do this properly, so they spin their wheels. They're good at prospecting. They're not fearful of, of, of rejection. They're well-organized, but they're not qualifying uh, properly. So what that does is it affects their closing ratio because they're spending 20, 30, 40% of their time on leads that they shouldn't be spending their time on. So you really need mm. to know. You need to talk about this. You need to think it over. You need to really analyze how your sales process works and how to qualify those leads. And, and know when they're not, you should be deciding as a sales organization when you should not be moving forward with this lead when it really is um, dead. Yeah. Yeah. And that's something I, I see a lot of sales leader getting better at, at helping reps identify critical things to identify throughout the sales process. And, and you know, HubSpot is just making it certain fields mandatory to move a deal for one stage to the next. I do find that. Um, maybe not enough time is spent on the concept of qualifying, right? Like when I'm at stage one, what are the critical things that I need to know before I, I move forward to the next stage? And when I move to the next stage, what are the critical things to do to, you know, because disqualifying obviously happens a lot at the beginning, but it does, you know, and you mentioned this before, it does happen throughout your sales process, right? Like before you're going to submit a proposal, you know, there's some things now that you've spoken a few times that you may not, you might realize it's just makes them not a good fit that you weren't yeah. able to identify early on. So, so to me is like, yes, making certain elements mandatory to move a deal from one stage to the next, but it's also making it qualification based, um, which is important. You know, there's some things that just make it like, I'm not going to waste my time building a proposal for something that even if I win it, you know, I might be losing revenue. I might be uh, cutting into my margins. I might be, yeah. Uh, in sh 
almost guaranteeing that I'm going to have a client churn in a month or in a year or whatever. Um, these are all important, you know, and there's something, there's things that you figure out throughout your sales process that can help you determine whether you should pull the plug, so to speak. Yep. And, and I definitely think that your, your HubSpot is, is probably one of the better, I mean, obviously there's the training and the role playing and all that stuff that we've, that we've talked about and that happens outside. Uh, but it's definitely a tool that helps, you know, this there in the front line with front lines with your rep and help you help them identify what's a good fit and not a good fit. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. 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 I, I know we're aligned on this one because we've talked about it a lot. So, uh, <laughs> you know, it makes a lot of sense, but it's something that's not top of mind for a lot of salespeople. And this should be, you know, this is a list for salespeople, but it's also a list for sales managers to be aware that these are, are, are the top five reasons that salespeople don't succeed is because they're they're falling on these things, you know, and there might be other ones for certain people, but these are the main reasons that 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 really engender uh, lack of success. Of course, there's a whole yeah. desire to and, you know, your, your your attitude and whatnot. But, you know, if we're talking about specific things falls into that so you know of course you need to have the right desire and you need to have the right intelligence to be a salesperson you know but that you know you you, you don't um it's harder to to fix because you're born with those um yeah the, the next one i want to talk about is um it's a subcategory but it's been happening to me a lot so i want to talk anecdotally but it's lack of follow-up um i'm amazed at how many people reach out to me on linkedin and trying to sell me something and they have a good first intro and then i throw them off with a little bit of an answer you know because i want to see how good these salespeople are and they don't follow up and they don't properly yeah. follow up and they they people give up too easily yeah. and i think I, I personally i think it's because they see it like a date oh i'm asking the person on the date they say no and i won't harass them but in sales it's different you need to follow up you need to speak to people you need to continue the conversation you need to have those conversations and you need to, again, follow back to number two, not be fearful of rejection in your follow-up. It doesn't mean you should be harassing, but you should be having, you should be using follow-up in a proper way. And again, a good, a good CRM can make a huge difference in helping you follow up because it's reminding you when to do it. It can all, and, and then you should also have obviously not just the reminders, but how to do it, what you're bringing up, what you're going to talk about. And always making sure that you have your 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 hand on on the the pulse of your your potential prospect to understand why it is that they're hesitating, and if you decide whether you should be disqualifying or moving forward. But some people just don't do that; they don't do properly. It's part of being disorganized as well. I mean, all of this flows together, right? But it's something that can have a huge effect. Yeah, I, I agree. I think. And maybe that's, you know, maybe speaking more from personal experience, I think lack of follow-up is often also a consequence of, uh, you know, poor qualification skills. I think, you know, when we don't qualify, you know, we move leads down further and further down our, our sales pipeline. And at some point it just becomes like, this person is just not a good fit, right? Like, why would I prioritize doing a proposal or following up with somebody who I know is not a good fit, right? They're just, I'm, I'm just kind of keeping them in my maybe bucket in case my pipeline is empty bucket. But, but so to me, that's, that's usually a symptom. So I agree with you, tasks and all that do help with follow-up. I think what's, what's critical to in, in your, in your CRM is 
to really spend a lot of time helping identify, and it goes with the poor qualification skills, which you said it was a subset of, but um, is spending time to help identify who's a good fit and who's not a good fit. I think it, it should really be straightforward for a rep to see this is a good fit lead. This is not a good fit lead. I'm not going to spend time on my good fit leads. Um, you know, maybe marketing can work with them. Maybe there's some criteria that could eventually make them a good fit lead, but right now they're not. Um, because I think it's easier to follow up with somebody who is a good fit and we know is a good fit. And that's where I find like all these LinkedIn automations and all that stuff, which is kind of blanket out there, some vague, uh, you know, ICP, uh, you know, you end up, you know, it's like, it's like, I don't know that if it's still used, but you know, when you're, you're fishing in the ocean and they use these massive nets that pick up like absolutely everything. Let's hope they don't use those. Anyway. <laughs> That's like the same thing, right? You're just going raking super large and grabbing everything. And within that, there's only a tiny percentage of people you can actually work with. Um, so to me, lack of follow-up is, it could be a sign that uh, we're just not, qualifying and we need to use our CRM like our HubSpot to add very specific criteria. This is yeah. a great lead. This is not a great yeah. lead. And, and because of that, I'm always fearful when, when, when companies try to over automate everything, right? Like LinkedIn outreach automation, like too much, cause then that's when you rate super large, right? Like when it's, it, there's too much automation it, you become lost in, in everything. So I, I, I um, totally agree yeah. with you. They're intrinsically linked. And, and if it's too large, if you're casting too large a net um, and, and you're, you're not thinking you're, so you're improperly qualifying and hence your, your, your follow-up will suffer because it's just too large and, and you're, you're not, you know, it's a bit of a hacky approach, but um, absolutely, to totally, totally agree with you. There's one thing I want to yeah. mention, you know, we've talked about this before, you know, the whole activity and methodology thing. So activity, a lot of these are activity based, right? So, Prospecting is very activity-based. Uh, yes, it has some method in it, but it's more activity-based. Fear of rejection is all methodology. It's all about how you feel inside. And, and that's that's important. That's your state of mind. And, you know, as a salesperson, you've got two things. You've got your state of mind, what you know, which falls into methodology. And then you've got your activities, things you do. So if you don't have the right desire, if you don't have the right state of mind, all these activities are going to falter. But sometimes some people have the right state of mind, but they're really disorganized. So their activities suffer. So you need to really you need to have a balance of both those things being strong that'll help you through. So, you know, number one is a little bit. Yes, more activity based with some methodology. Fear of rejection is, is mostly about um, your attitude. Lack of organization is very, very much activity based and, and, you know, structuring yourself. It has a little bit of method, but but structuring yourself. Um, and there's one we skipped that I didn't mention that I, I want to come back to, and I'll mention it last, which is very, very important, is the inability to handle objections. And the inability... Oh, six, you're getting a special one. <laughs> yeah, you're getting a special one. It's an inability to handle objections, which is also about your attitude and whatnot. But a lot of people say, oh, um, you know, how do I handle objections? And that's all methodology. And I want mm -hmm. to mention that because some people, their fear of rejection comes from the fact they're afraid of objections. Their lack of follow-up is because they're afraid of objections. Their, 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 um, their poor qualification is because they're afraid of objections. Because that's all methodology. It's all about who you are and how you present it forward. 
So we've also talked mm. about this a lot, and it's about asking open-ended questions. It's about understanding the objection and not fearing the objection. It's about mm -hmm. facing it and saying, well, okay, my client, my prospect has an objection. Obviously, something's holding them back. Instead of me fighting them and trying to push back, which is what a lot of people think they have to do, let me find out what it is and let me find out if it has true value. And if it does have true value, I will disqualify them and let them go. And if, if to me, I think it's wrong, I will challenge them in a polite way to try to make them see a different way of looking at things. But first, mm -hmm. you have to ask questions to really dig. So that's your bonus number six, which has, a, which has an effect. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, you know, handling objections. And I know last, it was last week that we spoke about the discovery call. And I think handling objections kind, kind of, it's not similar, obviously, but it kind of goes hand in hand in terms of, you know, there's a lot of training and role play involved with helping reps overcome objections. Because some objections come up regardless of where you're selling, right? You know, you, you see if there's some sort of a price objection at some point. You know, like some come back, but some are very industry specific and company specific. Um, so there's definitely a lot of training and role-playing involved there. What I like there, obviously, and, and I know we've talked a lot about this, is is using playbooks. And and what I've seen some people do is they'll identify like the top five, ten, whatever the number is, the types of objections that reps get at various stages of the process, right? Early in the stage, early in the process, uh, the sales process could be, you know, some of the objections are a lot more why use you? We don't need you. We don't have budget for this. You know, these are the, some of the top objections that you get. And some of the top objections that you get usually later in the sales process is like, this is too expensive, blah, 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 right? And, and so by adding in your playbooks, kind of these battle cards, so to speak, as to, okay, well, if somebody tells you it's so expensive, kind of understand that maybe you didn't do some of your discovery properly. So maybe try to restart some of that, you know, whatever the, the solution is. But um, I've seen that being helpful for reps because especially younger reps that haven't been either selling for very long in the company for very long or in the industry for very long, it's, it's quite helpful um, to get very specific training because these objections come back, right? Absolutely. And, and, you know, having a playbook of typical objections and then having a playbook of how to, uh, you know, deepen and, and handle or talk about those objections can go very, very long way. Absolutely. But yeah. it's, all about your, it's all about your attitude and it's all about your openness to really willing to help the prospect uh, achieve what is important for them. And once you have that, once you have the playbook, once it's operationalized, once you understand what you're doing, it'll help you a lot for sure. So, yeah, um, yeah so, so these are the top five plus one um, and, and uh, surprise one. There's always a surprise one. So, um, nice. yeah, I, I, you know, and, and I think as a sales manager, if you have your, there's, there's a lot more that can happen. Uh, but if you have your, your eye on these things, it really helps you uh, help your team move forward. And as a sales rep, if you have your eye on these things and you make sure you're organized, operationalized with your CRM and you have the right attitude and you do the right activity, I think you're already off to a better start if you just take the time to analyze these things and move forward. Very cool. Thank you, Paul. Thank you, Fab. <laughs> we'll talk soon. This is great. This is useful. See you, everyone. Thanks. Bye-bye. Okay.